Welcome back. You're watching Stock Watch with me, Bright Kumalo. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Devin Shute from the Robay Group and Drikas Kombrink from Capicraft. Send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag stockwatch. Gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. I mean, uh, interesting couple of days this week after having a rather interesting month of July in terms of returns. I mean... Uh, nice bounce back in global markets, uh, especially in the U.S. and uh, the sort of risk-on growth type stocks. But I mean, the last two days have been just mainly political news. I mean, I'll start with you, um, uh, Trickers. Uh, Nancy Pelosi flying to Taiwan, sending markets, you know, in the red. And obviously, uh, she's traveling apparently with 40 other people and she arrives fine and markets start turning green except for our markets because they were closed by that time. <laughs> What's going on, Trickers? Uh, well, if, if um, Aunt Nancy, if she hasn't got a, uh, you know, a put on um, based in some beneficial account based in the Caymans, I would, you know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not working really for the markets. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, no, so, it's not working. No, um, now us, hopefully this is uh, a bit of a storm in a teacup and, and it'll blow over. Yeah. Um, you know, I... You know, from a personal point of view, you know, and as a Westerner, you it's difficult to see how this infringes upon the sovereign rights of, of the Chinese, bigger Chinese um, nation. But they feel otherwise. And I think that should be respected. And um, I think the, this current administration is either, either very arrogant or very naive when it comes to geopolitics, you know, in general. So I think we're still in for, for another two and a half years of uh, volatile geopolitics. Yeah, it's like basically going into someone's house, you know, unannounced and obviously unwelcome. And you know that they've got a long track record of being aggressive and being locked up and coming in and out of jail. And you still go there anyways. I wonder what you're trying to see on the other side, right? Uh, Devin, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's it, when, you know, slap bang, in the middle of earnings season as well. I mean, we saw uh, some updates from, from the likes of, you know, MTN locally. Um, I think the word they used was, I don't know, bang of earnings they expect to come out this week. Uh, and uh, tonight, I think after market, we'll see things like AMD, Starbucks, uh, PayPal, Airbnb, the likes. I mean, some of the other ones have reported, reported before market opens. So what, what do you have your eyes on? So, look, an interesting one that I saw come out today, Bright, was Caterpillar. Yes. So, that's, that's really a very, very industrial-facing company. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, they, they, they look pretty decent, right, in line on, on revenue and, and a beat on the, the earnings level. So, they're starting to see economic activity come back. I mean, I, I guess those order lead times are, are very long for machinery like that. Um, you know, you've got to you've got to couple that against the technical recession that the the, the U.S. is is already in and at the moment. But you you know, markets did show some life, as you said last month. Uh, whether it was a bear market rally or you, you know, start of things to come, I think it's it's too early to say. It's still going to be the same story that you know, you know many of us have spoken about before: is watching that headline inflation number come out of the U.S. and then guessing what the 
the central banks are going to do as as a result. But this this earnings season, going back to your question, uh, has has been quite interesting because some of the big tech names, you know, have haven't disappointed as much as some people are predicting. We've still got a, a way to go, but my my sense is that the forecasts for for US earnings particularly are probably a bit high and that 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 still needs to be re reflected in markets. Okay, I, I I respect that stance. I mean, talking about um, technology companies releasing earnings before we go to our questions, let's talk about Uber for a second here. Um Atricus. I know you're not very bullish on Uber for obvious reasons, but I mean we're seeing a nice uh, recovery in the share price. They're up 17%. They released uh, earnings again, David, like he said, not as bad as expected. Um, so these days, that's, that's what you go with. You'll take it if you can. I mean, uh, the food business seeming, seeming to, to be doing okay. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, you know the, 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 the cars, the, the ride-hailing business, uh, you know, clawing its way back into the economy, even though, I mean, we're talking about things like recessions, but th there's demand for these cars now because people are going back uh, you know, to the office while well, they're kind of forced to go back to the office. Yeah, I think there's a few few things uh, playing in their favor, and I think they're executing a bit better than the the market has given them. Uh, you Credit know, for. Um, yeah. So um, it's still, you know, there's still not a clear path to to sustain profitability for the company. So that's very uh, true. It's yep. is obvious, and it's come down a lot. So I think this is a bit of a relief rally. Uh, and, um, you know, bull feces is, they die hard. Um, I, I, and it took a long time, you know, in the, in the IT bubbles 20 years ago for, for um, stories or narratives like these to die down. But I do think there will be winners. Is Uber one of them? I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not clever enough. That's why I'm, I'm staying away from the likes of an Uber or a Tesla. Or, you know, they, it's just too difficult to look too far into the future here. A lot of unknowns, and it's in a too hard pile for me, uh, Bright. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't, don't ever doubt your, you know, your gut feel here. I mean, um, forty percent of these private technology businesses, or what we call unicorns or decacorns, or whatever you want to call them, uh, most of the valuation have been slashed by forty percent in private markets. I mean, what we're seeing in, in public mar markets is happening also out, you know, out there. You look at the likes of SoftBank. You look at the share price. Obviously will sort of play as a proxy of the underlying assets that they own of over 100 billion US dollars. That's worth way less than, you know, what they thought it would be. And they're doing all those write downs, definitely not with a smile in their faces. And that shows us, you know, where we are in terms of technology valuations today. And there hasn't been really a recovery or a bounce back. So things are still dire that side. Uh, Devin, Uber, anything to add? Look, I, I mean, I think the, the, the future is unclear then, and, and the point Rick has made about the sustainable profitability is a, is a key one to watch. I think yeah. markets are focusing much closer on the financial metrics of these companies. I mean, you mentioned the private markets, right? The private equity guys last year were only interested in kind of vision and what these tech companies could do, whereas now what, what you're seeing, it's much more on the financial metrics, sustainability of it in that yeah. regard. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm cautious. I think there's no need to, to rush in yet. You know, if, if inflation is more systemic than, you know, the market is pricing at the moment, I, I, I think these growth stocks could come under pressure for a while to come. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brad, just, just, just to add one thing, I don't think uh, Uber would have been up 16, 17% 
if um, Jay Powell didn't give us a good excuse to chase stocks like this high again. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, the backdrop of the market is, is obviously also a, a great, um, you know, tailwind for, for an earnings beat. Yeah, I mean, the change in tone uh, from the Fed in general is, um, yeah, uh, pushing those growth stocks higher. And, yeah, I mean, we'll take it at this, at this level. We have a question Absolutely. here on, on, on Twitter from Eden who says, Good day. Which is a better investment between Anglo-American PLC, which is, you know, the share price AGL, and Anglo-American Platinum Amplats? And why? Uh, I guess that's the question. What is the difference between the two companies? Um, Trickers? Yeah, well, the big difference is Amplats is obviously a PGM player. Yeah. Uh, and Anglo is more diversified. Um, Anglo just unbundled its skull recently. Big mistake <laughs> in, in retrospect. Um, and, uh, but, you know, it's very iron ore heavy relative to BHP. It looks, uh, it's better diversified, in my opinion. It's got more uh, stuff like copper, more base metals. And obviously, uh, the platinum and, and some... Uh, some precious metals, etc. Yeah, stuff like diamonds, etc. Um, so I think it's a good diversified miner. Um, it's much cheaper than it was a few months ago. So it's not a bad entry point if you if you've got a, a long term uh, commodity bull view. Um, I do think Amplas offers more value at these levels. I do not like the diversified miners because all of them are um, uh, the the heavy iron ore. There's no supply problems with iron ore. You know, like you, you've got in copper or in, um, or in some, uh, you know, in PGM space or in energy. There's no supply problems. And secondly, uh, from a demand perspective, um, the Chinese will be will start recycling some of their old automobile stock. They will start recycling some of the, um, you know, if you see videos of uh, Chinese breaking down towers, you know, office blocks, etc., um, condominiums. Yes. All, all those rebar, that, that gets recycled. So they'll go into a recycling um, cycle uh, within the, within the next decade or so. And then, you know, they're not building all these skyscrapers anymore that supported the iron ore price or, or bridges to nowhere that supported the iron ore price um, in the early parts of the previous decade. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm much of a bull on iron ore. I love a lot of other commodity, uh, you know, subsectors, etc. And that's why I'd rather go with Amplats than with Anglo-American. Yeah, interesting. I missed, you know, the roaring 2000s because I was busy on my bike, you know. <laughs> Should have been looking at markets. <laughs> Devin, <laughs> your thoughts between the two and which one do you like? Look, I, I mean, I, I generally will favor a diversified miner. I think it's so difficult to call a, a single commodity producer where it is in its cycle. So, you, you know, a favorite. If, you know, if you had to go... There, I'm, I'm saying Anglo-American. Uh, Drick has mentioned BHP, which, which we think has got a really good portfolio of assets. Yep. Or um, the other one to look at is Glencore, which actually held on to their coal assets and has done incredibly well there. I, I think if you're looking at the commodity space, Bright, I'm pretty positive kind of medium term on it. I think, you know, the, the prices did get ahead of themselves. But I think there is very limited supply coming on for precious as well as these in industrial and base metals. And I think as a result, there is an underpin to them. Um, these operations of these miners are lean and meaner than they've ever been. They returning cash to shareholders through dividends, buybacks, you name it. And they're, they're, they're reluctant to, to spend again on big CapEx problems. So I think structurally, we, we've got supply deficits in many of these 
metals for some time to come. So I think, you know, on any share price weakness, you, you, you can look at the high quality names. We have a question here about MassMart. Um, I think this is always an obvious one. Uh, the, the viewer here is asking, when will this one recover? Um, Trickers? Yeah. Um, Retailers not, not in South well. Africa, yeah. I, 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 think, I think there was a flickering of hope during, um, you know, uh, COVID when people, you know, sat at home and they invested, you know, <laughs> back into their, <laughs> their home-based lifestyles, you know, work from home, etc. Um, meant you, you did more of your, you know, uh, more of your durable purchases was for the home and you went to macro and the likes, but they, they are struggling, you know, from just uh, a quick glance from today's uh, trading statement. Uh, would tell you that market thinks so as well, minus 6%. I'm not sure where to do from here for management, um, to be quite honest. Uh, most, you know, should they close more stores? Um, obviously, is it a buyer? Um, I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, look, and if, I mean, you look at uh, um, other, you know, sort of similar or comparable retailers in South Africa, like, you know, Pick and Pay, uh, ShopRite, um, maybe even Woolies Foods or whatever. Uh, which one would you would be your pick in the in the retail space for the long term? Well, um, um, yeah, I, I think Spa looks like it's uh, there's a bit of value there. Yeah. I think it's sitting at a ten price earnings ratio, but they've got a lot of issues. You know, they they are investing into Poland, um, and I think uh, a few million um, you know <laughs> migrants might do them well. But at the moment, you know, the whole European. You know, you've got a PPIs of 30, you know, per producer inflation of 30% uh, in, in that part of Europe, while they're struggling to put that through to consumers, you know, um, CPI is still below 10%. So I think there's a lot of margin pressure. It will take a long time for, for that part of the business to get through. But I think if you've got time, I think SPA looks interesting here. Um, and then, you know, the, the cheapest retailer, I think, in the JC is Carp Agri. Cop Agri is not a co-op really anymore. It's trans, you know, it's basically transitioning to what I think is a retailer, and it's sitting at about a seven price earning, maybe even less. Looking forward, and there's a, I think, uh, management is adding a bit of value here. They bolt on acquisitions, maybe buying a, buying back a bit of shares here and there. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an interesting one to watch. Okay, so w you gave us two Spy and Cop Agri to, you know take a deep dive uh, after the show. Uh, you, Devin, I mean, MassMart you know, still has its own issues. And I mean, I don't know if they put C in competition, but it's tough here. Yeah, it's, it's a, a really difficult space. They haven't got that formula right with game specifically has really been the, the noose around their neck. And I'm not sure the way the business model stands that, that it will ever be massively profitable, even if they get the efficiencies right. They are trying moving heavily into alcohol now. That 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 may be something um, in terms of a pivot. I'm, I'm not too sure. In terms of your question, you know, where else would I be looking in terms of SA retailers in the food space? I mean, ShopRite is an obvious one. You've got to be very cautious what you pay for it. But anyone is able to to grow their their margins in this environment in food, which is a razor-thin margin business, is is proof of those operational efficiencies happening uh, they're moving up and down the, the the kind of value chain in terms of the type of consumers they're targeting so fantastic quality business and then yeah if we look to maybe something in the in the clothing sector truest you know just yeah. is a consistent performer excellently managed business um you know fantastic portfolio brands so 
yeah, I, I think we're, we're sports in South Africa with really high quality retailers. And unfortunately, something like MassMart stands out maybe just not as high quality. Yeah, you will be embarrassed and, you know, exposed in this type of very competitive market with uh, finite rands, um, you know, going into those retailers here in South Africa. Uh, let's move on. We have a question here from John Koenig who says, uh, Hello, Bright. I see that many car brands such as Porsche are investing huge amounts in, into sustainable fuels. And I feel that there will be a huge growth in the future and mass production of it. Uh, which stocks can we buy to get into the sustainable fuel game? I mean, I think we, we had a preamble to this, Drickus, um, to, you know, to sort of discuss what is he talking about when he says uh, sustainable fuel. Is he talking biofuels or a more efficient fuel source? So still an oil-based um, fuel, uh, you know, like octane. I don't know. What, what do you think he's talking about here? Yeah, so uh, I think one of two things maybe. One is um, biofuels. Biofuels, obviously, it's not the best idea. No, biofuels exist because of subsidies and because it's used as an anti-knock agent within normal fuels. You know, um, it's it's mixed in. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's uh, I think one tenth of um, you know typically what you'll find in Western markets. It's mixed into the um, uh, normal fuels and it's it's an anti-knocking agent. And um, it's subsidized, basically. Um, so I'm not sure it's uh, sustainable. Maybe it means hydrogen power. Maybe Porsche is uh, investing into hydrogen. That's, that's possible. You yep. still need a lot of, you know, still a lot of uh, uh, research to do before we get there. And obviously, how do you produce hydrogen? <laughs> you need an energy source to produce hydrogen, exactly. unfortunately. Um, so at the moment, we produce hydrogen by using natural gas. So... <laughs> It's not that sustainable at the end of the day unless we get other ways to produce it. Well, even biofuel is not that sustainable. I mean, we were talking about um, the ratio of plants you have to kill uh, in terms of hectares and the liters you get on the other side. It's it's just you, you can't mass produce biofuels. Like, it's, it's, it's very tough. Um, let's say you did want to play the biofuel game at Rikers. What What are the stocks that are out there? I feel, uh, well, I'm not really sure. You, you need to go along agriculture, uh, which we are. You know, I think fertilizer is uh, is an um, interesting space. And uh, unfortunately, you need energy once again to extract or manufacture fertilizer. Um, so at the end of the day, I think I think we're sitting with an energy problem um, globally. Still haven't solved, uh, we still haven't solved the issue so that you're facing. Just long, just, just long Exxon Mobil. <laughs> I think it's it's the easier it's the easier yeah. option. They already got the pipes, right? And they already got the demand and everyone's buying a new car it feels like uh, even though they're complaining they can't afford cars but anyways, um and your thoughts into the biofuel problem um Devin? But I, I don't know specific companies. I, I, I do think the long the agriculture commodities is an interesting play. You know, the fertilizer sector, you can look at companies like Mosaic, which came out with results yeah. recently. Yeah. That's also slightly softer demand, but yeah, really high quality company there. In terms of hydrogen fuel cell, that, that has platinum elements in it. So, you know, could circle back to the question earlier about Anglo platinum and possibly going to a platinum producer. PGA. But yeah, to your point, but we, we, we haven't fully solved this. I, I think lots of the, the big automobile manufacturers are experimenting with multiple technologies to, to see which ones will, will ultimately become sustainable and mainstream for them.
Okay, interesting. We've got a question here from Rob Guzman who says, I'd like to ask your panel about the merits of investing in Nsimbi. I mean, uh, we also had a conversation about this one prior. Um, the last time I heard about Nsimbi was, yo, about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, same, same year. Last time I, I heard about Nsimbi was when it listed in the IPO boom in 2008. Uh, and I, I think just looking at the chart now, and as I remember correctly, it didn't even clear that one rand. Usually, uh, a microcap would list at one rand, you know, back then. But I think it was late to the party. So what you what you had in 2008 is late to the party when the IPO boom was was basically basically falling apart. Um, you, you would you know subscribe for one rand a share and it would open up for much less than one rand. I think Insimbi was one of those. Um, so I, to be quite honest, right, that's <laughs> I haven't got any insights there. It's also into too hard part. I mean, if you listed at a buck and said ninety six cents, that's that's one way to yeah. definitely not compound wealth. Uh, Devin, any thoughts? No, I've got nothing to add. Right, <laughs> that's a very long time period. Wow. I mean, uh, <laughs> let me not double down on that one. We have a question here from um, on Twitter, which is asking about our thoughts on McDonald's before we go into our stock picks, Devin. So maybe McDonald's, you have some insights? Yeah, so I mean, McDonald's uh, results that came out were, were probably on the soft side. I, I think maybe, you know, people aren't quite getting back to, to those restaurants. I think they, they sold off their, their Russian businesses. I think China's probably not performing the way the, the way they would think. So, you know, you know memory says correct, it's kind of single digit revenue growth and costs are starting to push a little higher there. So it's so quite a difficult space to be in, also not the highest margin business. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a, a kind of classic industrial stock, but probably not the right time in the cycle to be looking at. Yeah, and, and price-wise, uh, what do you think triggers um, here at McDonald's? doesn't look cheap either. No, I think there's a few other, let's call it defensives or, or food-based. Um, obviously, McDonald's is not really a, a restaurant group or a food producer, but I think there's other defensives that you can look at at the moment. Um, but McDonald's won't be, it's not, not on my buying list. Yeah. So Okay, so not in your buying list at the moment. Interesting insights. Um, let's start with our stock picks while we still have time at Rikas. What, what are you going with this evening? So yeah, with a platinum group, uh, you know, producer, uh, also produces chrome, obviously, it's Teresa Mining. Teresa, Teresa. Is nice. uh, Yeah, Teresa Mining is also listed in London. Um, if we just take spot prices, it's trading at a sub-5 price earnings ratio. So obviously, not, not spot prices, spot PGM prices. And if I discount the, um, the chrome price um, by a lot, by about 30%, then we get to about a sub-5 price earnings ratio. Um, I think it's a fairly good management team, and I think they uh, they're sitting with a lot of cash, or will be sitting with a lot of lot of cash over the next twelve months. And uh, I'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Uh, quite a few of these smaller um, producers locally and abroad that cash will flash. be sitting with a lot of cash, yeah. you know, over the next twelve months uh, uh, within metals and energy. So. Look out for those. So maybe there'll be some consolidation in that market. Let's see if they grow their small businesses into a diversified miner. <laughs> or, or, or share buybacks, hopefully, uh, or yes. you know, special dividends. Yeah, yeah, because the, the, the price seems about right at these levels. Um, Devin, your, your, your pick for the evening? 
Yes, so Bright, it's one that, that I've recommended uh, previously in June. It is the iShares 20-year U.S. Treasury ETF, uh, code TLT. And, and really the reason for, for that was just the, the absolute carnage in the U.S. bond market pre the Fed, Fed tightening. Uh, we saw an unprecedented sell-off in those bonds. Yields spiked and it created a very unique opportunity to, to buy them at very undervalued levels. Those prices have moved up since June, but, but are still well below um, where, where kind of their normal levels should be. It's down about 20% year to date. Um, and, and I think it has a fantastic total return potential and could even recover faster than equity. So still, still one on the cards. Uh, I would guess there was a question on how much, you know, do we, do we still hang into this? Uh, I would think normalizing is at least another 20% upside. Okay, fantastic. You do have a lot of fans uh, for that pick. So thank you very much, Devin, for that. Uh, Devin is picking TLT, which is uh, the, the iShares 20-year, uh, you know, bonds uh, thingy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah Trickers is going with Teresa Mining. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, thanks to my guests, Devin Shute from the Robay Group and Trickers Combrink from Capicraft. Stockwatch is back again tomorrow. Same time, same place. Have a good evening. Thank <laughs> you.